SportsGrid.com. Betting insights and entertainment at your fingertips 24-7 as our team covers the most important topics in sports wagering. Real-time odds, predictive betting models, expert picks, and more. Want the edge? Then get on the grid. SportsGrid.com. Listening to Scott Wetzel will give you a bad taste in your mouth. You call these bagels? It's Bagels and Bad Beats with Scott Wetzel. Hour number two of our two-hour extravaganza. Yours truly, Scott Wetzel, sitting in, taking you right up until 7 a.m. Eastern time. Our poll question is out. Uh, that is, which quarterback should the Dallas Cowgirls actually trade for? If you think they are buyers versus sellers. Our poll question yesterday, which mediocre slash bad team from last year has the best chance of making the playoffs this year? Arizona, off that nice win against Seattle Sunday night, uh, wins it with 64% of the vote. Uh, Cleveland got 22%, and then uh, our beloved Miami Dolphins got 11.5%, with other getting uh, 2.7% of the vote. Uh, so the uh, poll question is in from yesterday, getting a nice uh, 331 votes. Not bad for 5, 6 o'clock in the morning. Uh, then, uh, again, our poll question for today, uh, which uh, quarterback should they uh, trade for? So far, about an hour into the voting, and we got uh, Ryan Fitzpatrick leading the way with 72.5% of the vote. Joe Flacco getting 10%. Other and uh, Chargers, Tyrod Taylor getting 8.7%. Cam Newton was one name that was thrown out there. Jameis Winston is another name that uh, was thrown out there. The Bengal threw out there, Muhammad Sanu. <laughs> uh, we're talking uh, quarterbacks, not wide receivers, but uh, that, that's okay. So. Uh, check out your opposite picks feed to get your vote in. We'll update that uh, at least one more time before uh, we are through. Talking a little Dallas Cowboys, talking a little, uh, you know, uh, Cam Newton and New England Patriots, uh, Tom Brady and Antonio Brown as uh, they make it official. I think they made it official yesterday. Even Bruce Arians was talking about it. So he goes to the uh, Tampa Bay uh, Devil Dog slash number two Buccaneers. My question is, with the OBJ injury season ending, had he not signed with Tampa Bay, would he have considered the Cleveland Browns and and vice versa? And if so, you know, how high would the Browns have gone salary-wise? You know, because not like he got a whole lot of money from Tampa Bay. $2.5 million, and a lot of that is in uh, bonuses. So he, he's basically uh, making league minimum, about a million bucks. You know, if the Browns were to double that, you know, would they have, knowing that uh, OBJ is out? That's the question you have to ask Cleveland Browns fans. All right, we'll take a break. We'll come back. We'll start hour number two with a lot more football stuff, including some college football news. Uh, all that's coming up. Bagels and Bad Beats with your truly Scott Webb. SportsGrid.com. Betting insights and entertainment at your fingertips 24-7 as our team covers the most important topics in sports wagering. Real-time odds, predictive betting models, expert picks, and more. Want the edge? Then get on the grid. SportsGrid.com. Bagel. Now, back to Bagels and Bad Beats with Scott Wetzel. Well, he's a tremendous football player, and... Um... You know, I play with them for a brief period of time. So looking forward to working with them again and, um, you know, see what role he can come in. And, and uh, you know, he's a very hardworking guy. So, um, again, we're all going to go out there on the practice field and 
do the best we could do. And we're going to see, um, you know, how it all fits together. Yeah, that's the $64,000 question. That's for darn sure. How would all fit together? Boy, you got some combustible teams this year. That is for sure. <clears throat> Scott Wetzel sitting in Bagels of Bad Beats, as we always do, taking you right up until 7 a.m. Eastern time. That's Tom Brady talking about Antonio Brown now being part of the Bucks and part of a roster that on paper is, is absolutely loaded. I don't think there's a better offensive team on paper in the NFL. But, you know, you don't win on paper. That's for darn sure. We, we've learned that. And uh, I don't know. Would, would the Browns have gone after Antonio Brown? You know, probably not. But who knows? You know, but it had the OBJ injury occurred last week or if Antonio didn't sign with Tampa Bay this week, if he was suspended one more week, you know, would Cleveland go after him? You talk about a combustible team. You know, you got Kareem Hunt, headache number one. You got Baker Mayfield, headache number two. You got OBJ, headache number three. Uh, you got uh, a tight end in Joku that wants out, headache number four. Now you're going to have a wide receiver who's going to be a headache number five. I, I don't know. All with an inexperienced head coach. I kind of doubt, you know, but who knows? You know, I, I doubt it would have worked. Let's put it that way. Do I doubt that they would have gone after him? You know, listen, if the Browns think they're a championship caliber team or they want to get over the hump and make the playoffs for the first time in, in a gazillion years, maybe they would have. Maybe he would have had a lot more money with everything is said and done. I don't know if his love affair for Tom Brady, for whatever reason it is, you know, had him sign with Tampa Bay. But, you know, according to the stories, he only got two and a half million dollars, a million in, in base salary and roster bonuses and everything else is incentives. Uh, and Tampa Bay has to make the playoffs, which they figured to do. But you never know at five and two, you know, uh, they might not in, in the NFC, AFC. Yeah, for sure. But not necessarily in the NFC. We got a, a bunch of, of five and two type of teams. So nothing is a given there. Supposedly, Brady called Tony Robbins. And did you see this story and had him speak with Antonio Brown earlier this season? I mean, you talk about just a goofball, A.B. I mean, holy fudge. Uh, it has disaster written all. It really does. You know why? For, for no other reason, just like Le'Veon Bell with Kansas City. Um, I told you yesterday, I don't know if it was here on the podcast, this week is going to be a good litmus test for Kansas City and, and uh, Le'Veon Bell. They play the Jets. This past week, first game in Kansas City, you can make an excuse. You know, it doesn't know that many plays. It was a long week, crazy week. He only got six carries for 39 yards in a blowout win at, uh, at Denver, right? But no big deal, first game, whatever. Well, we all know that Le'Veon hates the Jets. He probably hates the Jets more than he does the, the, uh, the Pittsburgh Steelers. So does Andy Reid acquiesce to that and make sure that, a that the Le'Veon gets, you know, 15 carries and receptions? against his former club or just to appease him or does he challenge him and say all right you know what let's see everyone thinks he's going to be a headache well let's give him the worst medicine he could take and that is not really being part of this football game against the team he hates the most and then let's see how he reacts let's so let's take let's do a little litmus test with Le'Veon Bell let's give him six carries you know for 39 yards again and let's see how he reacts to that against the New York Jets you know so same thing with A.B., you know, how's he going to react? On paper, it makes all the sense in the world. You can never have too many weapons. Guys are getting injured all the time. Evans is an injury waiting to happen for Tampa Bay. You know, A.B. can slide right in, blah, 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 blah. Godwin, you know what, is a terrific player, but same thing. He's always injured. So, but when these guys are not injured, 
And A.B.'s only getting three or four receptions a game. I mean, that was his problem at Pittsburgh, right? I mean, I remember him going up and down the sidelines and beating his drum on the, uh, you know, on the garbage pail like he's a member of the Houston Astros. He was all pissed off because he wasn't having the ball thrown his way enough. So if he couldn't deal with it in Pittsburgh, how's he going to deal with it now in Tampa Bay? We'll find out. We will find out when he plays his first game. Like I said, he won't play this week. Um, he's, he's suspended through eight games anyway, so he's got one more game to sit out. I don't know if the quarantine for two weeks can start this week. I, I don't know the rules on that, so uh, maybe. And if that's the case, then he should be ready in, in three Sundays from now. But it, it's a couple of weeks. He's going to get himself acclimated to the system and blah, 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 blah. But it, listen, it's a wide receiver. Go down to the 10-yard line, turn around, and I'll throw you a butt hook. You know, it's like the schoolyard days. So, But are there enough footballs to keep him happy? And will they overcompensate? You know, I mean, they got a nice little thing going right now. You know, uh, you know, they, they got Jameis Winston out of town. I think the players, for the most part, like Jameis. They were probably frustrated with him. But, you know, listen, he did throw for him with 5,000 yards. So it's not like he stunk. He just had a penchant for throwing to the opposition as much as he did his own team. So they bring in Brady, and then they buy in. All right, you throw our guy out. We're bringing in Brady. We're 5-2. and two. We're on a little bit of a roll here. And, and now you got to upset the apple cart by bringing in Antonio Brown. And then I was Brady going to side with A.B. and now alienate us. Now, now is it going to be a B&B &B Brady and Brown story versus a B&B &B Brady and Buck story? Is Bruce Arians, you know, uh, big enough, I'll say, to handle that type of locker room scenario? You know, you thought Mike McCarthy was big enough in, Green, in, in Dallas, right? And, and clearly he's not. So... Very difficult. Uh, but Arians on the, on a podcast yesterday saying, I know everyone wants to say Tom Brady lobbied us to get this done. Uh, Brady lobbied me back in uh, June, July, August. I said, no, it didn't fit then. Somehow or another, it fits now uh, because AB has, AB has matured. Okay. You you keep on believing that. So uh, we'll, we'll see what happens. But I would not have done this. I, I just wouldn't. The only, the only thing is, as I mentioned before, this would be the time to do it. Have him on your football team for only a couple of weeks. Uh, this way you don't have to deal with him for the entire season and uh, put up with his nonsense and bickering and complaining for two, three, four weeks. Get into the postseason and then, uh, you know, win a Super Bowl if you can and then go from there and then throw him out the door with the dirty dishwater and say, don't worry about it to AB. Thanks for helping us out. And uh, go knock yourself out. Uh, we're going elsewhere after this. So, World Series Game Four, uh, Game for Game Four. Uh, Dodgers go for their fourth when they try and win it tonight. Game Six, as uh, they go with the old bullpen by committee with Tony Gonsolin starting against Blake Snell. Well, I can't believe Tampa Bay. Uh, if I heard her update guy right, uh, is a uh, whopping minus one sixty or so favorite on Fanduel. I got to check that out right now. I, I find that hard to believe. Not that he was wrong, mind you. I may have misheard, um, or it, it just might be FanDuel, you know, screwing up here a little bit. But uh, I got to tell you, uh, if they're that big of a favorite, I know it's Blake Snell and I know it's Tony Gonsolin, but I will gladly take the Dodgers plus 140, 150, you know, for a team that, you know, it's only 3 2. I get that. But let's face it, without a ninth inning rally in game five, the series would be, or game four, the series would be over. Um, you know, they're clearly, clearly the better team. I'd rather have the better team than the better pitcher, as crazy as that might sound. You know, you you give me the better team with odds, especially. Uh, maybe not laying odds, but uh, given my druthers, I'd rather have the better team getting odds than the better pitcher 
laying odds. And that's apparently what's happening with uh, with FanDuel and Tampa Bay tonight. So I think the Dodgers close it out. I kind of hope they don't. Well, I definitely hope they don't. One, because I'm rooting for Tampa Bay to win in, in the series. One. Uh, but I also have uh, the Dodgers' Clayton Kershaw at 9-1 to one as the series MVP. So while I'm rooting for the uh, Tampa Bay uh, Devil Dogs, I do think the Dodgers will win. Got to Kershaw at 9-1. to one. I don't think he would pitch tonight. Now, he had a full day off. Um, so th- this is day number two. If he had another full day off, meaning game six, and then uh, they needed him for an inning or two in game seven, I think he'd be able to do it. Uh, but, yeah, you know what? I, I either heard that wrong or he said it wrong. I knew that was too good to be true. Uh, Dodgers are a favorite tonight, minus 138. Yeah, I, I, I knew. Uh, I, I think I had that wrong. Or maybe the line changed. I don't know. But, yeah, I, I thought I heard him say that Tampa Bay was a minus 168 favorite tonight, and that's that's not even close to being true. Dodgers minus 138. The uh, Devil Dogs plus 128. Uh, but, yeah, I mean, if Kershaw were to pitch an inning, get a save, then uh, – be looking real good for that MVP. Really good. My bagels and bad meats. Uh, college football notes coming up there. SportsGrid.com. Betting insights and entertainment at your fingertips 24-7 as our team covers the most important topics in sports wagering. Real-time odds, predictive betting models, expert picks, and more. Want the edge? Then get on the grid. SportsGrid.com. morning 25 and a half past the hour taking you right up until 7 a.m eastern time open phones 844-843-6879 again 844-843-6879 so monday night football last night uh, it was the rams over the bears 24 to 10 uh i don't care about the score i more i'm more concerned about losing my fantasy by 0.36 of a point and as uh it was pointed out on uh our uh uh, YouTube uh, feed, there was a safety or should have been safety called uh, in the second half, fourth quarter, I believe it was, against the Bears that would have netted the Rams two more points. I had the Rams defense. My opposition had Cooper Cup, and uh, I was bitching earlier about how Cooper Cup was getting a point per reception because it's a PPR league, which is an absolute joke. Uh, you know, it, it's so stupid. So I lose by 0.6, and there was a holding penalty in the end zone on a running play. They didn't call it. They called the holding penalty, but they said he was outside the end zone, but it wasn't even close. I mean, it, it, he, the, the defender was in the freaking end zone. Uh, so that should have been a safety. They get the safety. I win by uh, 1.4 versus losing by 0.6, or I win by 1.7 uh, versus losing by 0.3. So. Yeah, there were a couple of things last night that just stunk fantasy wise for for years truly. So that was that was a tough one. We fall to five and two, uh, but um, it is what it is, I suppose. We'll still make the postseason. We'll be like the Bears. We'll, we'll accept the defeat. And we'll make the postseason, but uh, we knew we should have played better. That's for sure. College football this weekend not a great weekend. You know, the headline game had a little bit of a luster taken off with uh, Penn State taking on Ohio State. 
uh, with the uh, Penn State loss to Indiana, um, and w- which I still, you know, it's amazing. You know, a couple of things from this past weekend with college football that we didn't really delve into yesterday with all the NFL stuff going on. Uh, it really is a bizarre uh, college football Saturday. But a lesson, you know, that we hear and see all the time, learned by Penn State, you know, that up one, uh, they score a touchdown, much like the Atlanta situation against the Detroit Lions in the NFL on Sunday. Indiana's down one. They go for that fourth down for their own 14. They don't get the first down. Uh, Penn State gets the football. Now, they can't take four knees. I, I, you know, that they can't do because Indiana does have one timeout left. And that was, I suppose, the key. So they run a play, does Penn State, and ultimately they actually score a touchdown. The kid doesn't fall at the one-yard line. He actually scores. And it's listen, it's a college kid, 18, 19 years old. I really can't begrudge him. Head coach uh, James Franklin said he told the kid to, to take a knee at the one, but that, that that's tough to do. What they should have just done was, as I outlined yesterday, just tell the quarterback, you know, kill the play, six seconds, five, six, seven seconds, every single play. You know, we'll get it down to fourth down with about uh, 16 seconds left. We'll give them the football uh, right around, you know, like I said, between 10 and 20 seconds. And if they can go the length of the field with no timeouts in 10, 15 seconds, uh, then, then God bless them. Instead, they, they let the kids score. Uh, Indiana does the right thing. Um, and, we, you know, we want to kill Romeo Cornell two weeks ago with the Houston Texans. Remember, he was up seven final seconds and decides to go for two against Tennessee because he knew Tennessee was going to come down and score. He tried to win it. He didn't. Uh, you know, they stayed up seven, and Tennessee ties it and wins it in overtime. Here's another situation. You know, same thing. You know, Penn State's up seven. They could kick the one point and go up eight, as they did, or, you know, they, they could have tried to go for two and go up nine. I got no problem whatsoever going up for nine. I, I really don't. I, I'd rather win the game. In this case, they didn't, so Indiana comes right down. They score, they tie the game, and then they win it in overtime on, on a great play by the quarterback. So uh, that that loss, even though Penn State still controls its own destiny, it, it still you know took a little bit of a luster off uh, off the game this weekend. Other than that, there's really not. It's not a great weekend for college football. Um, you know, thank goodness it's back. No problem whatsoever. But. Um, that was the headline game, and the headlines were obviously, uh, you know, taken off the board. How about Rice? They they lose in double overtime to Middle Tennessee uh, in the first overtime. And they, these dopey coaches, I, I, I tell you, whether it's Rice or whether it's the Dallas Cowboys, it, it, it really it's amazing. Um, Rice is in overtime against Middle Tennessee State. I know who cares, but it, it bothers me because it's stupid coaching. Uh, Middle Tennessee State misses a 50-yard field goal, so now Rice gets the football and that's just needing a field goal. What do they do? They basically take three knees to set up a 45-yard field goal try. I mean, are you kidding me? It's 34-34. Your offense has gone up and down the field. Middle Tennessee hasn't stopped you. And you're going to settle for a 45-yard field goal try. I mean, we just saw NFL guys miss 45-yarder, Steven Guskowski. You're going to rely on a a kicker in college for a 45-yarder? You're not going to run a couple of plays and, you know, hell, even throw the football? I mean, are you kidding me? You're playing with house money. You know, Middle Tennessee State didn't score at all. Why go conservative? So the field goal kicker uh, ends up clunking it off the left upright, which ricochets off the crossbar, which ricochets off the right upright, which ricochets back off the crossbar, and it doesn't go in. It ricochets four times off uh, the goalposts, and uh, Middle Tennessee State ends up winning it in double overtime, and Rice ends up losing it, knowing they had a chance to win. Wow. Uh, Alabama wide receiver Jalen Waddell suffered a season-ending broken ankle. That's tough. 
One, it's Alabama, but two, this guy was regarded as the best wide receiver in a deep wide receiver core. He was he was regarded as as one of the best, if not the actual best. So that's that's a tough loss for Alabama. Uh, probably a bigger loss for him. I'm sure Alabama can just reload, but um, that that's a that's a tough one. How about Jim Harbaugh? You know, new look Harbaugh on the sidelines during Michigan's big win over Minnesota, albeit in freezing temperatures, but still. You know, since he's been there, what's that, four, five, six years, whatever it's been, uh, he wears generally khaki pants on the sidelines. Uh, for whatever reason, he was wearing blue. Now, Minnesota, the blue and gold, I, I get that team colors. It's not like he was wearing red, but still, the rest of the coaches were wearing khaki. That's how desperate we are for sports news that Jim Harbaugh, not wearing khakis, but wearing blue pants, uh, actually makes headlines. Texas team did uh, stick around for the eyes of Texas. I don't know if you've gotten into that or not, but a little bit of controversy. Well, a lot of controversy down in Texas about the team's song that's been around for for uh, you know decades and decades, and, and now they're saying it's a racist song and this and that. And and uh, there was some debate on whether the, the team would play or stick around for it, and whether the band would actually play it. So uh, we got enough headaches in the world to worry about a team song, to tell you the truth. Um, I, I still am getting a kick out of uh, the Ohio State-Nebraska situation. See that? All right, it's 52-17. Uh, Ohio State was leading at 45-17. That's a difference of 28. Point spread in the game, eh, you know, it, it wasn't 28. It was 27, 27 and a half, you know, later on in the week, maybe 26 and a half. But in that area, right? So uh, with Ohio State being favorite. So Ohio State's leading it by 28 with uh, just under three minutes left. They take over at the Nebraska 40-yard line. They do run the ball uh, five times to get to the two, fourth down. Rather than take a knee, uh, their freshman quarterback, who's in there since they're they're leading by so much, uh, runs it in for a touchdown with 18 seconds left. After the game, Ohio State head coach Ryan Day apologized to Nebraska, you know, because they scored a touchdown versus taking a knee in that situation. He said, I feel bad about that. I had a younger quarterback in the game, and I didn't feel like we had the personnel to take the knee, and I probably should have done that. So I just want to publicly apologize to them, to Scott, meaning Scott Frost, Nebraska head coach. Um, and and uh, that was his statement. So what's the problem, Scott? Two things. One, I mean, <clears throat> think about that statement for a second. He didn't have the personnel to take a knee. Are you kidding me? Take a knee. You tell the quarterback to snap the football and take a knee. What kind of personnel do you need? What do you need? A two two lineman? You need another a tight end? You need three wide receivers? You need a fullback in the backfield? You didn't have the personnel to take a knee. What? That is the dumbest thing I ever heard a coach say. I mean, I don't care if you got the uh, you know a, ten guys from Topeka High subbing. You take a knee. You don't need a, a specific personnel to tell the quarterback just snap the ball and take a knee. I mean, you talk about making an excuse and sounding like a bozo. I mean, holy crow. I don't have any problem them wanting to run up to score. It is what it is. You know, stop them. And that's basically what Scott Frost said yesterday. If we want the score to be different, we need to play a little bit better. That's the bottom line. So Nebraska and Frost took the high road. But for a head coach afterwards to try and say he feels bad that they scored again and he didn't want to take a knee because he didn't have the personnel in there to take a knee. <laughs> Call a timeout then, coach. That is as 
dumb as dumb gets. And oh, by the way, Ohio State does score. And oh, by the way, Ohio State wins by 35, not 28, like the point spread was earlier in the week. You want to tell me that's coincidence? Go ahead. You, you, whatever makes you sleep better at night, knock yourself out. Uh, I know what I believe. And I, I believe the boosters uh, did a whole heck of a lot to get college football back going at Ohio State. They stuck their necks out on the line. They probably rankled a whole bunch of feathers. And those boosters pay a lot of money. And if you think those Ohio State boosters are betting Nebraska on Saturday, you're kidding yourself. No, they're, they're betting Ohio State. And good old Ryan Day is not about to take any chances that they were betting them minus 28. So he said, go ahead and score, guys. We're not going to throw the football, but you go ahead and score if we need to score. And I'll take the blame. and I'll cover for you guys afterwards. So they win by 35, and they cover the spread. And, oh, by the way, the game goes over on that touchdown. Amazing. Uh, Tough news for Wisconsin. As Graham Mertz tested positive, the quarterback threw for five touchdowns against Illinois. Uh, this past week, he's got COVID-19. So do, Now, he's the second stringer because the starter, Jack Cohen's out hurt. So does the third stringer, apparently, according to reports out of Milwaukee. So Wisconsin may have to go with their fourth string quarterback uh, this week. That's a tough spot. So uh, quarterback issues clearly with Wisconsin and, and the COVID. All right, uh, 844-843-6879. One more segment to go. Right here, Bigger Without Beats. Got to SportsGrid.com. Betting insights and entertainment at your fingertips 24-7 as our team covers the most important topics in sports wagering. Real-time odds, predictive betting models, expert picks, and more. Want the edge? Then get on the grid. SportsGrid.com. Try my disgusting bagel. Now, back to bagels and bad beans with Scott Wetzel. He, uh, he came and said, you know, Stidman said uh, finishing, and I agreed, and 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 that that's what it was. It, it was, you know, for any any type of competitor, do you feel embarrassed? Yeah, yeah, and and I am as 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 honest as I could possibly be right now. Uh, but yet it, it 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 tells you. And the first thing I said, you know, to myself coming home, I said, you keep playing games like that, bro, and it's going to be a permanent change, and. You know, so whatever type of way that we we have to motivate ourselves, I'm 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 honest with myself. So that that leaves no type of miscommunication with others. And you know, when the when, when the change happened, you know, I'm I'm stuck on the sideline, you know, listening to, to plays and saying to myself, like, listen, is this really, you know, how you want to, you know, do things, or you this is how you want things to be done? And and until you make that step to get better as you have been harping on these last couple of weeks, then that's what it's going to be. I tell you, almost sounds too good to be true. To tell you the truth. If that makes any sense. It, it really does. Bagels and bad beats on a uh, Tuesday. Uh, 41 past the hour. That was uh, current, and I emphasize current, uh, starting Patriots quarterback uh, Cam Newton on uh, WEI radio. I mean, you could not have 
asked for a better attitude. It's a, it's amazing because I'm about to criticize him for his attitude, and yet you couldn't have asked for a better attitude than what he just displayed right there. He, he wasn't bitching. He wasn't moaning. He wasn't crying about it. Uh, he wasn't sulking um, necessarily. You know, he he was realistic about it. You know, he was self-serving in that, you know, I got to play better. Otherwise, I'm going to be on the bench forever. I mean, you, you like I said, for a guy that got benched, you know, in the fourth quarter, the game was over. No big deal. But uh, and so it wasn't a, a classic like benching in the second quarter or even third quarter midway through of a, a relatively close game. And the guy's playing awful. It was 33-6, you know, fourth quarter. So. But, you know, you could not have asked for a player to have a better attitude than that. However, I will tell you in that same interview, you know, when asked about his lousy play, and he was uh, 9 of 15 for 98 yards and three interceptions. I mean, he was brutal. Uh, You know, he was bad the week before. I gave you the numbers yesterday. Patriots have now gone three games scoring two touchdowns combined. Combined in three games. Two games with him starting at quarterback. They've gone three straight games with no touchdowns in the first half. Uh, back-to-back home losses for the first time in a gazillion years. <clears throat> uh, worst home loss ever for uh, Bill Belichick as a New England Patriot head coach. I mean, the, the the list of negatives go on and on and on. And really, it all starts uh, with, with Newton as far as his production has been brutal this year. Four touchdown passes, nearly three times as many interceptions as he does touchdown passes. Think about that. Now. His quote later on was, you know, when asked, you know, what's going on, Cam? The energy has definitely been off for me. At times, it's not rewarding just going out there with this aura about yourself that's not you. Meaning he is sulking a little bit. He is, you know, feeling depressed that it's not the, you know, kind of reminds me of a quote way back when. I remember Dwight Gooden of of the Mets. First year's up, boy, he was just phenomenal. It is rare back and throw, and he was throwing 100 miles an hour, 95 miles an hour. He was zipping ball by every batter. He just had that great, great start to his career, right? And then, you know, the batters adjusted, and then they realized, okay, here comes fastball, and it's the, you know, Major League Baseball. They can, you know, uh, catch up to 95-mile-an-hour fastballs, and he started tinking around with the slider and the curve and this and that and the drugs and everything else, and eventually – he ended up being a mediocre pitcher, and I remember him saying at one point, yeah, I missed the old days where I just went back and threw the baseball and was just dominant. I really missed those days. So same thing here with, with Cam. That's That sounds like what he's saying here. Uh, it, it's just not rewarding just going out there with this aura about yourself that's not you. Like, you know, the aura is – there is no aura. The aura is you stink, you know, but in his mind, he's reflecting back to four or five years ago when he's leading Carolina to the Super Bowl – and he was a halfway decent quarterback, that's what he remembers himself as, just like Gooden remembered himself as this great pitcher that was striking everybody out. And he can't handle it. And because he can't handle it, the energy has been at an all-time low for him. And it, it's just, you know, he instead of him kicking himself in the ass and getting him prepared for this game, he's sulking a little bit and feeling sorry for himself a little bit. He's faced with a challenge here. And he's succumbing to the challenge, even though, strangely enough, the attitude is there. I mean, like I said, he said all the great things, um, you know, that, that you'd want someone to say that's struggling, but it's it's stopping there. It's it's almost like I, well, he's a weird dude. He, he's, a, you know, without listening to him every single day when he was in Carolina, we've heard more from Kim, you know, uh, thanks to WEI radio and in and, and Boston and the New England Patriots than we've heard in 
you know, eight years with the Carolina Panthers outside of the one season they went to the Super Bowl. You know, for the most part, they really have not been a good team. Uh, that that one year they had that nice that nice run. Other than that, they were you know they were a mediocre team. So, you know, seeing Cam and hearing him say the things that he says, you know, he understands he's going to get benched and it's all on me and I got to kick myself in the ass and blah 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 blah. You know, that all sounds fine and dandy, but then when you later on say that the energy has not been there. And it's not there. And, uh, you know, he can't handle being a, a mediocre quarterback. Well, that's not going to change. And that's why, you know, if you're the Patriots, and listen, you're only paying them $8 million, which for a quarterback is just absolute chump change. I mean, just just chump change. Maybe you just say, we tried, we failed. Dallas, you want to give a crack at this? You want them? We don't have any weapons. He, he's throwing a Julian Edelman. Uh, we don't have any running backs. Our offensive line stinks. Uh, you know, maybe a change of scenery will, will do him good. Maybe you can get something out of him that I can't, you know what you give us a seventh round pick, make it a conditional fifth rounder. If you guys make the playoffs, you know, maybe even higher if you get to the super bowl. Uh, but otherwise, you know, we're done with him. You know, we're not signing him long-term. And, and at this point we're in a race to get the uh, top, uh, one, two or three overall draft choice versus trying to make a serious run for the postseason. You guys at one in five. You could still make the postseason because your division stinks. But at, at, our, at this point, our division is not like that. We're not getting into postseason. So we don't have any need for Cam Newton. But you want to try? Go ahead. Knock yourself out. So I don't know how Cam would feel about that. But maybe a change of scenery is what it takes. And, and I don't know if Belichick would ever adhere to, I failed once again with, with Cam. But clearly he has. Clearly, you know, whether it's Cam whether it's the Patriot system, whether it's the Patriot way, you know, whatever the case may be, it's not how ha- I told you it wouldn't happen. I told you this Patriot team wasn't any good. I told you, I told you, I told you so. I told you at the beginning of the year, this was a six and 10 football team. And that's really what it's turning out to be. John Gruden, he's funny. Uh, I, he, he's a little, he's a strange bird himself, boy. I'll tell you what. When asked about the uh, COVID-19 yesterday and about, uh, you know, players, you know, being out and about, uh, maybe without masks on and this and that, um, he said, you know, he was quick to point out they weren't the only team that had a positive test, which they are not, obviously. And then he said, get a load of this. As an organization, we're on the cutting edge of beating the virus. I'm like, what? Really? Uh, you know, maybe you should notify Trump about this. Maybe you should notify Dr. Fauci uh, about this. Maybe you should notify someone. You, what, you have a, a cure that you've been working on there, John, in between game plans? <laughs> You're on the cutting edge of beating the virus. Are, are you like, have you lost it? Um, I don't know what beating the virus means. Is that in NFL terms? Is that in uh, United States terms? Is that in worldwide terms? Are you working on a cure? Like I said, in between game plans, but you're on the cutting edge of beating the virus. Okay, someone call up, like I said, Dr. Fouch, and, and see, hey, listen, uh, you better check in with John Gruden because I think we have a cure over here. I know we got the 50 gazillion doctors and scientists and everyone else trying to work on a cure and a vaccination, but uh, don't worry about it. The uh, the L.A. Raiders or the uh, Las Vegas Raiders and John Gruden, they they seem to be taking it into their own hands. You know, own hands. And, and, and we're going to find out where uh, D.B. Cooper is. And then we're going to find out who really shot Kennedy. And uh, we're going to find out if uh, Elvis Presley is really dead. You know, we're going to go to the Raiders and Gruden for absolutely everything. If, if they can beat the, you know, we're going to find out about the seven hikers from Russia in, in 1959 and find out how they died. 
Uh, yeah, figure out every conspiracy in the world. Is there a Bigfoot? Is there a Loch Ness monster, John? You know, what, what do you think? You know, once you've solved the Rubik's Cube on the virus, you know, I got a list of other conspiracies here. Are there UFOs or aren't there, John? What, what, what do you think? Are you on the cutting edge of beating those things as well? Oh, my goodness. They're on the cutting edge of beating the virus. Wow. Um, I don't, like I said, I don't know what that means. All I know is he was fined in week one for not wearing a mask. I don't know if he's poking fun at the NFL. I don't know if he's just lost it. Um, but okay, you you let me know, John, when you've uh, you know I know you're on the cutting edge, but you you let me know when you're actually over the edge and you actually got that virus thing solved. You you you, you let me know. Wow, uh, not happy with the NBA, and I'm an NBA fan. They're thinking that, you know, good news, bad news with the NBA. They announced yesterday, or at least, they, you know, they, they leaked it, that they're thinking about starting the 2020-21 season actually before January 1st, before even Christmas now. They're, they're thinking about starting sometime in uh, December, obviously, but even before Christmas Day, which was uh, the original plan, NHL kind of said January 1st. You know, NBA has always had this big thing about Christmas, so they said, let's try and get the Christmas Day to be our big thing uh, for no other reason than it'll just be the start of opening day. And now there's a report out there that the the NBA is thinking about starting it before Christmas. They're going to have a reduced season, according to the plans, 72 games versus 82. So they're whacking 10 games off the season, which, again, I don't have a problem with, uh, with that. Um, they're going to probably, anyway, not have an all-star game or all-star weekend. It was set for Indianapolis, but they're going to wipe that off the board, which, okay, I'm okay with that. Don't mind the all-star festivities, but if you want to you know, get rid of that because there's just too much danger in that, uh, no problem. They're considering a two-week break at the midway point of the season. All right, that's strike number one, which I'll get to. And then, as we've heard before, but it was reiterated again yesterday in this report, they really like this playing tournament, eight versus nine, that we had this past year. And they're thinking about doing that again this year, which I absolutely positively hate, right? Well, let's go to the two-week break at the midway point of the season. All right, so you're not going to have an all-star break for some reason. I'm assuming it's it's COVID-19 related, right? You don't want to get all these players from all these different cities uh, converging into Indianapolis and, and you know, uh, spreading the virus, I suppose. Okay. But then you're going to have a two-week break at the All-Star break point anyway, where these players for two weeks are going to, you know, they're not going to stay in those respective cities. You know, if you play for the, uh, you know, pick a team, the Utah Jazz, and you're from, uh, you know, Florida or California or Illinois or New York, you're not going to stay in Utah for two weeks. You're going to go back home, right? So if they're going to go back home for two weeks, how are they going to get re-quarantined? Wouldn't they then have to get re-quarantined for another two weeks or at least a week after that? So that two-week break is really turning into a three-week break? Or is the two-week break really a one-week break and they're going to be quarantined for another week after that? I mean, that that uh, I, I, we need to learn more about that, but that doesn't make sense. You can't give guys two weeks off and then expect them in 2020-21 to be able to start playing basketball again. That, that, that you know They're going to be out of shape, one. And with the virus, that's too much of a concern. It doesn't make sense. And I really, I, I hate uh, an eight versus nine. Um, 
I know it's one more team in the postseason, but you're playing 72 games and you're going to have nine playoff teams in each conference. That's what, what's the point of the regular season, really? All right, we'll close up shop next week. SportsGrid.com. Betting insights and entertainment at your fingertips 24-7 as our team covers the most important topics in sports wagering. Real-time odds, predictive betting models, expert picks, and more. Want the edge? Then get on the grid. SportsGrid.com. Shop with a couple of quick stories here. We'll check out the trends from this past weekend as well. Falcons tight end Hayden Hurst uh, had his car broken into, lost uh, a number of items, including the team's iPad. Uh, San Fran receiver Debo Samuel dealing with left hamstring injuries and most likely won't play the next two games. Saturday's college football game between New Mexico and San Jose State has been relocated to San Jose because of uh, uh, virus situations in uh, New Mexico. Duke center Will Taylor, this is football, is out indefinitely because of surgery on his right knee, so he won't be playing anytime soon. And cornerback uh, Mark Gilbert is uh, quitting the team, preparing for the uh, NFL 2021 draft. Uh, college football trends from this past weekend, a mediocre weekend. We went uh, two, two and one, bringing our overall record to five, four and one NFL with our best trends. We went two, two and one as well, uh, bringing our overall record to six, three and one. We give you the five best college football and five best uh, NFL trends on Fridays, every Friday. As far as some winners for uh, this week, uh, for uh, tonight. Uh, you know what? There's only one game on the docket. That's baseball. And uh, as much as I want to see otherwise, I got a feeling the Dodgers are going to close out the Tampa Bay Devil Dogs. So uh, lay the Dodgers uh, misinformation earlier, but they, they are a minus 140 favorite. Uh, I FanDuel 138 to be exact, but I, I think they close the door and win the series in six. Our poll question, who should the Dallas Cowboys trade for? Uh, quarterbacks, Miami's Ryan Fitzpatrick winning the vote so far, uh, 72%. Well, he is dominating Chargers. Tyrod Taylor getting 12%. Joe Flacco with the Jets, 8.5%. And uh, the proverbial other uh, getting 7.4% of the votes. Uh, check out the feed at Opposite Picks. And we update it every morning. And we'll uh, give you the final results tomorrow morning with our new poll as well. So great job by the phone callers, the emailers, and the tweeters. Uh, we'll do it all again tomorrow. Enjoy the baseball tonight. Hopefully we'll be talking a little World Series action uh, for a possible Game 7 for uh, Thursday. But uh, I, I kind of, or for Wednesday, but I kind of doubt it. Uh, go Tampa Bay. Enjoy your Tuesday, folks. And we'll talk to you tomorrow right here. Big with the Bad Beat. God bless. SportsGrid.com. Betting insights and entertainment at your fingertips 24-7 as our team covers the most important topics in sports wagering. Real-time odds, predictive betting models, expert picks, and more. Want the edge? Then get on the grid. SportsGrid.com.